Welcome, everybody. So glad that you could join us. New Life family, we look forward to having you back in the building sometime in the near future, and we're just praying along that lines. But we're glad that we can still make this connection via this video, but we just look forward to having, we've been great having groups in the church during doing the studies during the week. We have about 100 people throughout those studies, not on the same night, obviously, or same day, but groups of 30 or less, and we've been meeting, but we look forward to being back together. If you're watching from a further distance, we welcome you too, and we hope that you have a group of people together in your community that you can gather with and grow together with, but we're glad you could join us because we've been journeying on this Soul Revolution journey Uh, looking at the life of Jesus. And the question we ask today is, why did Jesus come? Like, why did Jesus come? And and it's a good question to ask. And as we enter the gospel of Mark, Mark, a first century eyewitness of of Jesus and who who had multiple people like Peter that he could get information from, uh, comes and writes this gospel and puts it together for us so that we can understand who Jesus is. But of course, today, the, the question that he's answering for us is, Why did Jesus come? And maybe you in your minds have 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 an answer that just comes to your mind. And even as we look at Mark's gospel, there are several options that that are available to us to answer this question. Why did Jesus come? Now, the first one, of course, is that Jesus came to win the spiritual battle. We looked last week at this story uh, of Jesus entering the synagogue in Capernaum. He begins to teach, and then all of a sudden, this guy upsets the, the, you know, the, the meeting, and it's this unclean spirit, and Jesus casts him out and you know, commands him to be silent and leave the man. And, and clearly, Jesus' first miracle is this spiritual, this power encounter between Jesus and the forces of evil. And so, of course, that's a possibility. Jesus came to win the spiritual battle. It's, you know, he's duking it out with the devil. You know, he's sparring with Satan, you know, and, and even there's atonement theories about this, that Jesus came and to, to ultimately, you know, lay Satan that final blow. And, and he does do that. But is that truly the reason Jesus came? I mean, obviously, when you place someone as holy as Jesus into a dark and a sinful world, things are going to scatter. It's kind of like, I remember going to Mexico a few years ago on a missions trip and went to the bathroom in the morning and turned the lights on. All these cockroaches would just scatter, you know? And, you know, so, so the perfect son of God enters this world. And of course, you know, the, the spiritual forces that are at work behind the scenes and, and the, you know, Satan and, and demons and this, you know, this unclean spirits that are in the world are, are obviously scattering. And there are these power encounters and we'll, we'll discover them in the New Testament. But does Jesus come here specifically looking for a fight? And I don't think that's the reason he came, despite the fact that he shows clear victory in every and and each instance where he encounters spiritual opposition. But that's not the the reason that he came. Perhaps, though, as we come to the text this week, Jesus came to heal and to restore physical health. You know, this is, you know, the last one would be power Jesus. This is Dr. Jesus, right? Jesus came to, to look after all the physical needs in the world and to bring healing to everyone. And, and of course, as we encounter the text here in verse 29 of Mark chapter 1, we find Jesus in this healing power. He says, Now as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying down sick with a fever. So they spoke to Jesus at once about her. I mean, 
there they are. The synagogue service is over. That power encounter is over. Jesus goes to, to, to Simon's house and there's his mother-in-law and she's sick. Now, we think of the word fever and we think of a symptom. Uh, in the first century, this was the fever. <laughs> this was a known sickness. It debilitated you. You were flat on your back. You were out of it. She is clearly unable to do anything. And they're like, look, Jesus, we got this problem here. And it says there in verse 31, he came and raised her up by gently taking her hand. Then the fever left her and she began to serve them. I mean, that sounds pretty good. Now, the Jewish Talmud, which is this Jewish writing that tries to interpret the law and provide application for it, they prescribe this process that if someone had the fever, you, you, you would take this, this, um, this braid of hair and, and tie it to this thorn with an iron knife, and then you would read Exodus 3 on three successive days, and then there was this magical incantation you, you said at the end, and then the fever would go, and there was this long, prolonged, drawn-out process. Jesus simply comes, gently and compassionately grabs her hand, helps her out, and she's good to go. A full and complete healing. She doesn't even need any time to get her energy back. She immediately begins serving them and serving Jesus. Now, there's something embedded in there. We'll get back to that. But is this the reason Jesus came? To be a healer, to fix all the physical issues in our world and in our lives. Is, is that the reason he's here, is, is to, to fix everyone? I mean, would it be nice to have Jesus here right now with COVID? Wouldn't it be just come and wave a magic wand or whatever and get rid of him in the world? I mean, is that why Jesus came? I have a picture here of the house in Capernaum. And I put it up there just so you realize. Again, like I said last week, this is not a made-up story. There is a real place that seems to be the, the, the house where Peter's mother-in-law was. And, and of course, there's this big, you know, interpretive center built over top of this archaeological dig. But, but this happened in a real place, in real time, with real people, with a real Jesus. So I'm just telling you, we're not making stories up here. This is not fables, legends, myths. This really happened. But coming back to the text, did Jesus come to heal and restore physical health? Is he Dr. Jesus. Well, obviously, Jesus does heal people in the Gospels and even today. And we have people even at New Life that have experienced Jesus' healing touch in their lives, and, and miraculous things have happened with cancer and other things. I mean, that happens, but we've also prayed for people, and they're not healed. And God says to those people, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. God's like, you know, in your circumstance, I can be glorified in and through those circumstances without healing you. And that's the mystery of healing. If Jesus came to, to heal, then everyone would get healed of everything, but that doesn't happen. So clearly that wasn't his mission, and yet he was capable of doing it then and still is. But is that why he came? No, that's not why Jesus came. Perhaps as we move through the story, Jesus came to create a popular following for himself. You know, the celebrity Jesus, right? The, the popular Jesus. We see this, of course, as you continue the story. Um, it says in verse 32, when it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. You got to imagine uh, the neighbors. I mean, you know, all the houses are pretty close proximity. 
they're probably, you know, looking at each other's windows, looking at each other's yards. They see people come to, to Simon's house, you know, and, and suddenly, you know, the neighbor's just kind of peeking over the wall, wonder what's going on over there. And they see Simon's mother-in-law, like, what's going on? You know, she was sick just like five minutes ago. And now she's up and she's getting water from the well. And she's, you know, she's making some, you know, uh, you know, focaccia bread or whatever she's doing there. You know, she's, you know, she's, she's getting ready to serve them. Like what happened? That, like she was, she was deathly ill and now she's up serving. And, and, and then the, the rumors start to fly. Oh yeah, did you hear what he did at the synagogue? I heard what he did at the synagogue. And, and so they're waiting until sunset. You see, because Jews, this is the Sabbath. You don't work on the Sabbath. But as soon as you see the first star in the sky, Sabbath is over. And so like, oh, we're clear. And all of a sudden, they begin to descend on Jesus. Because, of course, Jesus came to create a popular following for himself, right? He's, he's celebrity Jesus, right? He's rock star Jesus, you know? And, and then here he is, and, and the story goes on. And, and so it says, so he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. I mean, Mark's writing this so you get it. The whole town, all, many, many. It's like you say, man, this is growing. The popularity, the celebrity status, people, and, and they're coming, and they're coming, and he's, and he's dealing with it, and he's handling it. He's, he's not only, you know, healing, he's also casting out demons. I mean, so, so clearly those two are encompassed in this one. He's the celebrity, you know, he's becoming popular. This is great, you know, he's branding himself. Like, you know, he's, you know, this is awesome. Is this why Jesus came? But clearly not, because you'll notice at the end of verse 34, he says he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Obviously, if Jesus wanted to create a little celebrity cult following, he wouldn't stop anyone from talking about this. So demons, yeah, go ahead. Say, say it, you know, let everyone hear, you know, and, you know, get the bumper sticker, put on the T-shirt, you know, let's, you know, let's get the, the removable tattoos. Yeah, let, let's celebrate who Jesus is and join this big movement. To, but clearly that's not why he came. Because the very next verse has him seeking out, you know, sneaking off to a quiet place in the dark part of the morning where no one could find him. I mean, if he wanted to be the celebrity, Jesus, the popular Jesus, he would have kept riding that wave, but he doesn't ride that wave. That's not why Jesus came. Well, maybe, as we'll move on through the text here, Jesus came to demonstrate personal piety. Verse 35, it says, then Jesus got up early in the morning when it was still very dark, departed and went out to a deserted place. And there he spent time in prayer. Jesus came to show us what it means to connect with God away from others. An example of personal piety. He removed himself. He separated himself from from the people, from the crowds. He's, he's showing us that this is the right thing to do, to, to get away and, and, and to, 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 to not bring attention to yourself. And clearly, he, Mark makes very clear that, that Jesus doesn't do it to draw attention to himself. He gets it up when no one can see him. He departs to a deserted place. I mean, he could have waited till the sun came up and got up and made noise and walked out to the center of the town and began to, to pray in loud, you know, King James English or whatever. You know what I mean, he could have brought a lot of attention to himself. He doesn't. He sneaks out when no one can tell he's sneaking out. No one can see where he's going. He finds this deserted place and he he prays. Now, of course, this is exemplary for us. I mean, think about what gets you up early. You know, some of you men, 
right, in November or earlier if you're a duck hunter, you get up early to crawl out into a field and set up a bunch of duck, you know, and de you know, plastic decoys and then sit in a blind waiting for birds to fly over and, and, and shoot them. And you get up in November when it's freezing and you crawl up a tree and you stand, for, you know, you sit on the stand, you know, for hours, freezing, 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 waiting for an animal to walk by that you can shoot. I mean, you, you do this, right? Some of you get up early to, you know, buy tickets or stand in line to get tickets to an event. You get up early to watch a sporting event that's on in a different time zone. I remember one Olympics getting up early to watch Canada play for gold, right? And then and half my church was up at four in the morning. <laughs> we weren't worshiping Jesus. We were watching hockey. We were worshiping Canada's God, right? You know, there we were, you know. But what gets you up early? Some of you go get, get up to go to work real early. And you get up and you get to work and you get, you know, get on the clock and you're getting productive work done early in the morning and, you know, showing your, your hard, diligent work effort. But how many of us get up early to pray? I think there is a, a great example that Jesus sets here. He is being tempted by the crowd and allured with the popularity and the, you know, just how his, his name and his reputation is growing. And, it, and it, it's, very, it's, a, it's a drawing in, but he, he finds a, a solitary spot in a, in a secluded location in an early morning hours, no distractions. And he's like, Lord, keep me focused. Keep me focused, Father. I don't want to, I want to keep my mission in mind. You see, he didn't come to just give us a demonstration of personal piety, although that is valuable. That wasn't why he came. But it is a good example to us that Jesus sets here. That's what keeps him grounded in his mission. You know, I remember uh, I served at a Korean church for a little bit of time in seminary. I preached at the English service, and it was youth and young adults, university students. But, I mean, you know, I'd hear stories back in Korea. They, they had these mountains, prayer mountains, where people get up early and crawl up the mountain to pray and then come back down. And, they, like, this was just what they did. In fact, that church in, in Calgary, they would open up every day. I, from what I understood, and people would come like at six in the morning and pray, and then they'd go to work afterwards. And, and I'd often show up there to preach in that English service, and there'd be men and women sitting in the sanctuary, meditating, praying quietly. I was like, wow. Wow. You know, and you come to, you know, the average North American church, and we're loud, and we're raucous, and we got our, you know, venti Starbucks with us, and, you know, we're, we're coming in for church, you know, and, and, you know, there they are, you know, they, and so there's something about quieting your heart and getting ready with God. Now, I'm not trying to create spiritual legalism here, but I'm just saying this is exemplary, but it's not why Jesus came. Yet there is value for you and me to get up, show God priority in our life, and to recalibrate our perspective every morning. Um, I encourage you, you know, to do that on your phone. I know some, sometimes the phone is a good place, you know, if you're in a doctor's office or in a bus or whatever. You, phone is a great way to just kind of catch up with stuff. But, but you know, like, just put away that thing that you work on and that you, you know, that's there for all the other, and just give God your full attention. And here's Jesus showing us this. But that's not why he came, just to set a pietistic example. He, he came, perhaps, as we'll discover in the next verses, Jesus came to give us what we want. You see that in verse 36 and 37? Simon and his companions searched for him, it says in verse 36. I mean, he's out praying and they're, they're searching. Now, the word literally means a manhunt, an urgent manhunt. 
I don't know if you watched that show, Man Tracker. You know, the guy would get on his horse and these two people would be out in the bush and, and he's trying to find them before they get to their destination. And, you know, he'd ride his horse to the bush and, you know, it was kind of, you know, the, the tension of, you know, and, and here they are, they're basically doing this. They're, they're tracking down Jesus. They're, they're looking for him because Jesus is there to give you what you want. And look what they say in verse 37. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Like Jesus, don't you get it? We need you. You're here to give us what we want. And interestingly enough, it doesn't come out as much in the English, but in the Greek, the word that he uses for looking, if you compare it throughout the gospel of Mark, it's the word to seek, zeteo. And uh, it's never used in a positive context or connotation. It's always negative. Uh, they're looking. It's, it has this idea of hostility and opposition, uh, evil intent, Misguided priorities. It's about controlling instead of following. It's not about surrender and submission and, and followership. It's about control and, and, and guiding. And, you know, and like, we're looking for you because you're here to give us what we want, Jesus. It's what I call the ATM Jesus, right? <laughs> you know, you just come in and you know, give me what I want. You know, it's, it's like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, and I can remember this vividly in my own mind, uh, taking my two oldest to a restaurant. And they were young, you know, kind of child, you know, like a seat, kind of child seat, kind of height, you know, big enough to talk, but, but not super big. And, you know, where we are is a family eating together. And there's another family in the restaurant. Usually they put families in the same section because people without kids don't want to be annoyed by those with kids. And so there we are. And this family there have a kid and that kid is just going off the deep end. It's like, Rah! you know, and they're screaming, they're yelling at their parents, they're throwing food and you know, utensils. And, and I just remember my, my kids, their eyes were just like, boom, <laughs> like what's going on here? You know, and then, and, and the other parents are trying to appease their kids and, oh, you know, oh, no, you know, what do you want? What do you want? You know, and, and of course my kids knew that if that happened, they wouldn't be going on. Right. So, so, you know, I mean, I mean this, you know, we, we had a different perspective in our home, obviously, you know, kids didn't do that kind of stuff, but, but here we, sometimes we treat Jesus like that, right? We're just these little toddlers and we expect Jesus to jump every time we squawk or whine or cry. Jesus came to give us what we want. Now understand, some of you watching this may have been drawn into one of these Jesuses. And as you're, you see, that's clearly not why Jesus came. But you may have think, okay, I'm, I'm following Jesus because I need the healer. I'm following Jesus because, you know, he's duking it out with the devil. I'm following Jesus because of his spiritual piety. And now I'm following Jesus because he gives me what I want. It's like this, you know, bank account that just always has a, a balance in it. And yeah, I could just draw on it anytime I feel like it. And, and he's just always waiting. You know, he's it's never busy when I call Jesus. He's always there and he'll do whatever I ask him. And, and that's not why Jesus came. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. And you can just imagine Jesus. Of course, he's perfect, so he's patient. But just like, man... You guys don't get it, do you? But they're caught up in the hype of the moment. I mean, man, like there's a crowd waiting back there. Man, we've got this thing going. Why aren't we going back and riding the wave? And Jesus is like, you don't get it. See, Jesus didn't come to give us what we want. No, Jesus came to give us what we need. What we need. He says, this is the soul revolution, Jesus. <laughs> Verse 38, he replied, 
let us go elsewhere <laughs> into the surrounding villages so that I can preach there too. For that is why what I came out here to do. So he went out into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I mean, I'm telling you, we've looked at all these different options and I gave you biblical support for each of these options, but now Jesus trumps all of my, of my postulation when he himself answers the question for us. What did I come here to do? To preach. Like, really, Jesus? It's kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? It's like, like come on, fight with death, the devil, you know, like heal some diseases, build up the popularity, you know, go and have personal piety and all this. You know, you have all these options, Jesus. Give me what I want, but, but you came to preach? And Jesus is like, you know, you guys are just looking at all the outside stuff. And I came to crawl into the inside, to, to get to the soul. So that you could respond to the invitation of God and, and enter his kingdom through faith. And it's funny, because if you look at the healing stories, some of them clearly follow Jesus in faith, but many people that Jesus healed, we don't know if they actually believed in Jesus. In fact, sometimes he healed them, and later they came to faith in Jesus. But Jesus is like, I didn't come just to put a Band-Aid on the problems in the world. No, I came to, to get to the real source of it all, to deal with sin, and to bring the good news of the gospel into your life. Jesus came to preach. You see this? His message is in Mark 1, verse 15. I have it up there on the screen for you to see. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Here's the message. It's a kairos moment, not, not chronology, but, but one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. God's kingdom is here. I am the king. I'm representing the king. I'm here. Repent and believe the good news. He's here to do heart surgery. You know, he's not here to do plastic surgery. <laughs> He's here to change us from the inside out. That's what I call the soul revolution. And in God's economy, for some strange reason, this occurs with preaching of the word, preaching of the message of Jesus. Like, it's the craziest thing that God would choose this way. But he does. Jesus is like, I came here to preach. And so let's, I want to reach, I want this message to reach as many people as possible. I'm not coming here to, to create a cult following. I'm, I'm, I'm coming here to bring soul revolution, life transformation. In the later New Testament, Paul would write to the Roman, Roman church there in his book of Romans, we call it, in chapter 10 and verses 14 to 17. He writes in there and he, and he says this, how are they to call on one they have not believed in? And how are they to believe in one they have not heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how timely is the arrival of those who proclaim the good news. But not all have obeyed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Consequently, faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. That in God's economy, people are sent with this life-transforming message, 
and they keep sharing it and they keep sharing it and they keep sharing it and, and lives are changed and God does miracles all around the world in the hearts of people. First and foremost, that's why he came to restore us in relationship to him. You see, the problem is, is like, like people that he healed would, would experience healing in that moment, but then they would go on to die of old age. All of them, every one of them. And Jesus is like, I'm not here to just provide topical you know, answers to, to these deep, deep problems. I want to provide the lasting eternal answers. And that comes with the message I'm giving to you. Believe it and receive it. Repent and believe the gospel. Why did Jesus come? came to bring that soul revolution in our lives. You'll see that slide there. Soul revolution occurs when we respond in faith to the message and invitation of Christ. Why did Jesus come? He came so that you could have a relationship with God through him. And that occurs in your heart when you believe the message and the truth about who Jesus is and what he did for you when he died on the cross and rose again. And the, the good news about this is that, that we don't have to emulate Jesus in, in terms of, you know, casting out demons or healing people or doing all these things. We just simply need to share this message and then he does the miracle. It's awesome. Of course, in our ministry, we may encounter opposition spiritually. We may encounter, you know, physical things that we pray for and, and see God work, but clearly we don't do anything. Jesus does it all. And he works through ordinary flawed people like me and like you to expand the kingdom message across our world and our every country, every nation, every language. This keeps on spreading. And thankfully, this text gives us a, a, just a good grounding of, of, you know, a lot of things that Jesus can do, but clearly the mission is, let's share this message. And as we come and, and follow God, we see him just responding to that. I was reading a story about Cameron Townsend, who founded Wycliffe Bible Translators. He had a passion and a calling to go to Mexico and translate the language and the dialects of, these, of the native Mexicans that, that lived you know, in Mexico that spoke a different language. And so he went to the government and asked, you know, can I have permission to go and to translate the, you know, the, their language in, in, you know, into, into, into Scripture, right? You know, can, can we you know, put, put the Scriptures in their language? And, and the government official was like, I will not allow you to do that. As long as I'm in this position, you're not going to do it because you're just going to mess up and cause problems for us. So you are not allowed to do this. So he kind of went to other officials and he tried and, and he called all his friends back in the United States praying for him. He's like, would you pray for this? Because I think, you know, God obviously wants this message to go out to these people, but, but I'm, I'm just hitting this a stone wall here. No, you cannot do that. So he's like, you know what, let's go. Let's move into the community, let's get to know the language and let's just minister to these people however we can and see if God will open the door. And so they go, they move to this little village, this little town up, you know, in a remote area and then there they are living and they're working, you know, they're learning the language, they're living amongst the people and, and they're just waiting and waiting and he notices in the center of the town is this fountain with this beautiful spring of water and it just flows and flows and then it pours out and then it just goes down a hill and it's lost. And he's like, you know, you know, we could use that water for something, he says to the locals there. Like, you know, maybe, maybe let's, let's tear some gardens here and let's, let's start irrigating. And, and before you know it, they, the, the crop that they were growing doubles. The economy of the region just blossoms. 
Books, and it's totally a transformation. He writes an article about it and sends it to like this Mexican newspaper just to kind of share kind of what they did and, and how it worked for them in case there were other people that could do the same thing. And, and lo and behold, the Mexican president is reading his newspaper and he sees this article and he's like, wait a second. What is this? This American gringo moves to a town that none of our people want to live in and he helps them and there's this, you know, he's like, I got to meet this guy. And so he gets his presidential limousine and they drive out to this town and they pull into the square and everyone in the square is like, whoa, what's going on? You know, it's the, it's the president, you know, Presidente, you know, and, and you know, and, and Townsend's there and he's asking people, what's happening? What's the president? So he's like, oh, it's the president. So he goes up and knocks on the window. You know, hi, I'm Cameron Townsend. He's like, oh, you're just the man I want to meet. <laughs> I want to hear about what you're doing here. Cameron Townsend says, this is what I'm doing here. I'm here to bring God's words to the people that live in this city in their own language. And the president says, of course you can do that. <laughs> you have my full permission to do that. The, the, you know, the walls are down. You, you go for it, you know. And, and he would maintain a friendship with that president until he passed away. I mean, God opens the door. Because this message that God has that, that we share today is one that he wants everyone to hear. And even when we encounter opposition and difficulties, nothing can stop this message. Nothing can. And people are praying and God is opening the door. And as Jesus comes into this world, things are happening all around, but he wants to keep the focus. He's like, this is a matter of the heart. Jesus would say in Mark 10, you know, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This idea of service. Jesus comes in service. And here in this text is this woman that's healed that gets up and serves Jesus. The same word is used as what Jesus says in Mark 10.45. No one else is given back to Jesus in Mark chapter 1. Everyone's taken, taking, 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 taking. She gets up and she serves. If you follow Jesus just to get, you're missing the gospel. The gospel is about receiving and then giving. You are a conduit, not just a pool to hold things. You know, water that doesn't move in and out of a receptacle or a lake or a pond just becomes a slough, starts to stink, you know. My daughter went to Sandy Beach, this little slew up here north of Lloydminster, and came back this summer, and she stank like weed, like seaweed, because that, that, you know, there's no in and out of that place there. Just, you know, it's kind of just this little slew, and, and that's what we as Christians are like. If, if it's not pouring in and out, it just kind of starts to stink. This woman gets up and begins to serve Jesus. She gets it. Do you get it? Jesus came, and, and he offered his life for you so that you can return Offer your life to him. The kingdom is about all of us moving together in the same direction with the same message. And that's what we're here to do. We, we want, you know, as pastors, we've been praying for gospel saturation. Every man, woman, child, teenager in Lloydminster would hear the good news and have opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. And not just through us, but through every church in our city. Like, like we don't care. It doesn't have to be new life. Every church, we just, we just want to see the message of new life in Jesus just going out. Because that's why Jesus came. Do you get it? Do you see it? And you're part of that. In little and big ways, we all can be a part of that. 
And there's a part of this text that I think is, is speaking to you today, I hope. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I mean, that, that's the text. It's like, he is inviting you to receive this message, repent and believe the gospel. But I'm speaking to believers, people that have known Jesus for, for years, and maybe you're just realigning your, your thoughts about Jesus because maybe you, you thought he came for a different reason. You realize, oh man, he came to bring this message so that he, he could do a work in my soul which would come out of my hands and my heart and, and respond in how I can serve him and serve others. We have a unique opportunity right now to minister to people that are hurting, struggling, confused, depressed. And Jesus gives us a life-transforming, soul-revolutionary message. And maybe we deliver that message with a plate of cookies or a meal or a warm house, or a ride, or whatever it is. But man, we put the hands of feet and the mouth and the words of Jesus into action. And we serve, just like Simon's monologue did. Jesus touches our lives and we're like, okay, get up. It's time to keep this kingdom message and actions moving forward. That's what we're here to do. So I hope you understand today now why Jesus came. And, and of course, encapsulated in that, I mean, of course, yeah, Jesus is all spiritual powerful. He, he beats the devil every time. Of course, Jesus can heal and look after physical issues. There's nothing in this physical world that is greater than Jesus. He, he's got power over all of that. Of course, Jesus is popular. Everyone loves Jesus. There's nothing not to love. He's, he's awesome and amazing. Jesus is incredibly pious and, and connected with his father and leaves us a great example. And yeah, Jesus actually does want to meet our needs but he doesn't always want to give us what we want. <laughs> but Jesus came to share a soul revolutionary message with you and me so that we can share with others. Let's do that right now in this season. Pray for friends, people you know that just are struggling, that need Jesus. And let's move this message forward as we follow him and serve him in our own lives. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I pray for everyone watching this video, those present here in this room, Lord. Help us to just get a greater appreciation for who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. That we would understand the mission of Jesus, that he came to just bring a message which by faith we can respond to and, and enter into an eternal relationship with him and with God. Thank you. Thank you that you do have all power. Thank you that there is nothing in this physical world that, that, that can beat you or is more powerful than you. Lord, we, we just acknowledge that your greatness. But ultimately, Lord, you want our heart and our soul. And we surrender that afresh to you now and open our eyes to see the opportunities to serve and to share Jesus in our community. And I pray for our brothers and sisters across the city and every church that preaches your word and the gospel of Jesus, that they would have effectiveness in their mission and your mission as well. Lord, guide us and strengthen us in this task. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so glad you tuned in and you joined us. Like Shauna said at the beginning of our service, you're welcome to contact us, reach out to us anytime. We'd love to answer your questions. We are sending out a survey in the next 
little while about missions just for the New Life Church family. We just want to see where we are investing and just kind of just see, how, you know, which families are connected, where in the world. And so if you'd like to participate in that, I encourage you to do so so that we can just get some data on like, hey, where, where are our fingers touching across the world through the families of New Life? And so just encourage you, New Life families, to fill up that survey. It's anonymous. But it helps us to see, hey, where are we sponsoring kids? Where are we supporting missions? What organizations are we, are we helping out? And just see how our own hands and feet are, are at work across the world. And so church family, that'll be coming out. We're so glad that uh, God is looking after us. And we just look forward to being together until God brings that out about just keep moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ.